We're in the summer of Samson, Samuel and Summer, First and Second Samuel. We're rocking through this thing, and we're going to take our sweet time, if that's cool with you, uh, in the book of Samuel. And we're going to turn to First Samuel. First Samuel, we'll go advance two slides for me. First Samuel chapter 19. So if you got your Bibles out, get your Bibles out for me. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles totally free and available for you on the sides that we want you to take. They're totally free of charge, and we want you to have a Bible. You cannot go to battle without your word, right? And so make sure you got your Bible. If you got your iPhone, get your version app out. If you have a Samsung or Galaxy, don't even worry about it. You're just going to get frustrated. First Samuel chapter 19 said, war broke out again. War broke out again. Man, how many feel like you've been at a war, man? War broke out again after that. And David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Now remember, he already killed the giant, the Philistine, uh, Goliath. But here he is, back at it again. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in his hand, can I just see there's, some, there's such significance on being home alone. There's, there's, there's such significance of being just home alone with a spear in hand. The tormenting from spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him. David played his harp, and Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. The title of my message today is Spears and Darts. Spears and Darts. How to deal with enemies and principalities. How to deal with enemies and principalities. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Come on, everybody. A uh, few, well, what, just a few weeks ago, so we were at uh, Lake Arrowhead with the kiddos last week, uh, the week before that. My wife and I and Levi, we went to North Dakota, where I'm from, Fargo, North Dakota, and uh, we were there visiting family and friends. And I actually got to invite uh, one of my childhood friends. He's, he lives in Springfield, Missouri. He was through town. I said, man, you got to come over to my mom's house. And uh, my, Levi got to meet my, one of my childhood high school friends. Uh, we went to church together. And uh, so he came over and he has three kiddos, three kiddos. I have one. He has three kiddos. And he came over and we, we sat around downstairs. We were hanging out. And his kids are, I don't know their ages. I'm so sorry, Jason. All right. Their ages are like, like what? Six, three, five, three, three, five. And so that's, that's, there's my historian right here. Three, five, and seven. And, uh, and Levi was down there playing with him as well. And I'm having a conversation with my, with my friend Jason. His wife was there as well. And all of a sudden, um, his wife brings out one of the totes. And inside the totes, she opens it. What's in here? It's a bunch of Nerf guns. Bunch of Nerf guns with unlimited Nerf darts, all right? Unlimited Nerf darts. And so all these kids start loading up the weapons. She's helping them, all right, by the way, and loading them with weapons. I'm talking to my buddy. And all of a sudden, these kids are just shooting darts every which way. Now, the kids don't really know the, the rule, and I think we all know the rule, right? You know what the rule is when it comes to Nerf guns and other things and, and playtime is not the face. How many know I'm talking about? Right? That's a cardinal rule. If you don't know that rule, you just got your day's worth of church right there. Not the face. Not the face. And so I'm talking with him, and all of a sudden, they're, they're just kill-shotting me. Like, they're standing over me going, pop, right in the face. Just head, face, laughing, enjoying it. Pop, 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 pop. And, uh, and it felt like I had to dodge darts left and right. And finally, I was like, bro, I love you. I started loading up, all right? I was like, listen up, kid. Pop, right in the head, you know? And I'm doing what I can to just dodge these darts. And I was even thinking to myself, why do they want to shoot me? Shoot Levi. How many know what I'm talking about? 
But in the midst of all these darts, I even grabbed a pillow to shield myself from all these nerf darts coming at us. And, and then we had an all, all-out nerf war, and it was super, super fun. But the title of my message today is Spears and Darts, because sometimes I think in this thing called Christianity, in this thing called life, sometimes we go, why am I being attacked? Why am I getting hit left and right? Why do I feel like I'm in an all-out war? Can I be really honest with you today? Even, you know, I, I feel like sometimes there's a notion of, man, if you get saved, everything's going to get better. And yes, things can get better. There's financial blessings. There's, 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 there's blessings of the Lord being in your heart. There's many blessings in that. I always say, man, things don't necessarily get better, but it feels better because the Lord's with you. That's what, that's what changes in our life. But sometimes it feels like, I think things were better when I, when, before I got saved, before I was a Christian, before this, before that. And that's not every single person in this room, because I know there's many people in this room, you're saying, man, my life got so much better with Jesus in it. Amen? But sometimes it feels like the attacks increase in our lives. Now, Lorenzo did such a great job, uh, even last week, talking about jealousy kills Talk about the heart and the reason behind Saul. But I want to go on the other end of that spear. In Psalms, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says, Saul realized the Lord was with David. And sometimes there's a realization from the enemy. There's a realization that, wow, God is with him. And how much his daughter, Michael, loved him. Saul became even more afraid of him, more envious of him, more jealous of him. And he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. So I'm going to ask you a question today. What do we do when we're being attacked? Man, what do you do when you're being attacked? And I love the story of 1 Samuel chapter 19. Because, man, maybe somebody's attacking you at work. Man, maybe there's somebody, you have an arch nemesis. You have an enemy out there, you know. Uh, maybe there's somebody in your family or friends or whatever it is. Maybe you're feeling attacked uh, right outside. and Maybe it's a physical attack on your life. Maybe it's just it's, it's a character attack. Whatever it can be. Here's what I love that David did. It said, David dodged out of the way and left the spear stuck in the wall. So what do I tell you as your pastor? What do I tell you today? Pat, what do I do? What do I do when I'm being attacked? I want you to respond. I don't want you to react. David, David responded, but David never reacted. David, he, he responded, but he never reacted. Now, how do I know he, he didn't react? Because the very same boy that took down a giant with a rock had the discipline to not throw back a spear. I need to say that one more time because that was really good. That the same boy who took down a giant with a rock with extreme position to hit him right here between the eyes and nail him down and then cut off his head. Happy, happy Sunday. It's the same young man who had the discipline not to throw back a spear. The same young man to say, forget all. I'm, you don't know me. I'm from the east side. You know, like, like you don't know me. I'm OG. I mean, I'm talking about today. You can talk back. It's okay this morning. We just want you to know, because some of you, we're going to update our sound system. Amen, everybody. Yeah. And here's what it says. Reacting is emotional, but responding is emotional intelligence. Reacting is emotional. I have seen too many of us, and myself included, we react because we're emotional. 
we have to figure out, man, how do I respond? How do I respond? Here's what reaction is. Reaction is something happens, you panic, then you proceed. Something happens, you panic, then you proceed. Oh my goodness, this is taking place. I'm going to immediately react. You proceed. But response is something happens, you pause, you process, you plan, then you proceed. You pause, you process, you plan, and you proceed. If I was a really good preacher, these would be my notes today. You process, you plan. Give it up for Lorenzo, everybody. Come on, somebody. You, 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 you pause. You pause. You pause, you process, then you plan, then you proceed. This makes me sound so much better, by the way, doesn't it? In Jesus' name. Yeah. You pause, you process, you plan, but then you proceed. Here's Romans chapter 12, verse 19. What do I do when I'm being attacked? It says, dear friends, never take revenge. And I want you to hear this. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Now hear me out. Here's some context, though. you got to have boundaries. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about what do I do when there's an attack over my life? What do I do when I'm being attacked? What do I do if slander, whatever it is, don't take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. I think somebody here needs to see that God is our heavenly father. He's like, don't you dare touch my kids. That this is the kind of God that we serve. For scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, it doesn't mean we're weak. But it says this, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. Now, this is not talking about allowing abuse in your life. This is, there's boundaries that need to take place. And two years ago, we did an entire uh, collection of talks entitled Boundaries. I encourage you, read, watch that series, that collection on YouTube. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about when things happen and when I'm feeling attacked, I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. Now, here's the good thing about God. When we say, God, I need you. God, I'm getting attacked. God, this is hard. This is difficult. God, you see what they're doing. You know what God often does? He often steps in for us, but in the, go ahead, he often steps in for us in the form of family, friends, and others that care about us. In order of family, friends, and others that care about us. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 19, so David left. This was not the first time his spirit was thrown at David. He didn't back and go, what is this? My pay, this is way above my pay, you know, below my pay grade, whatever. David, he, he, he then left after the second time. The Saul urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, because of his strong affection for David, and this affection is a, it's a friendship, and this strong affection told them what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'm going to ask my father to go out with the, there with me, and I'm going to talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. So Jonathan does it, finds out from Saul. Saul still wants to kill him. Then Jonathan says, David, you got to leave. 
You got to take off. So David takes off. David goes to his house. I don't know what he's doing, packing, hiding, whatever it is. In 1 Samuel 18, then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. Then they, they, told, they were told to kill David when he came up the next morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him. Michael, David's wife, warned him. Ooh, be careful how you, who you marry, everybody. And he says this, if you don't escape tonight, you'll be dead by morning. Now, if you read the story, I really like Michael because, <laughs> and I shouldn't say this as your pastor, but Michael's like, listen, David, I, I love the Lord, you know. And, but what she did was she, she, she took an idol from the house. There's so much context there that I can't share all of it. Took a false idol, put it in the bed where David laid, put straw, closed this thing, put the blankets over it. And then she said, David, go ahead and escape. The guards broke into the house. They carried David in the bed because Saul said, bring me David. So they brought David into the bed, brought him back to Saul, laid down the bed, pulled off the covers. It's a, it's a decoy. And Michael's like, what's up, dad? You know. And then 1 Samuel chapter 18 or 19. So David escaped a third time. And he went to Ramah to see Samuel, and he told him all that Saul had done. Then Samuel took David with him to live in Naoth. I want you to know, community is so important. Community is so important. That's why every single semester we do small groups. Small groups is not for our church to go, yeah, we got small groups. We're growing as a church. No, Lindsay and I, we lead a small group, and we love our small group. We lead a small group because we, we, we desire community. But small groups are so important because you, we grow in the context of relationship, but also we protect one another in relationship. Man, God uses relationship. The Bible says if you confess your sins to one another, to one another, to one another, God is faithful and just to heal you and to forgive you. But I want you to know the same way that God sent help, the devil sent harm. And I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that there is an enemy who seeks to kill and to steal, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life and life to the fullest. It is super important who you have around in your life. You know, can I just say this? Sometimes there's spiritual battles and things that just happen to us. But then sometimes I call them stupid battles because there's things that we've created in our lives. Man, my friends are terrible. Well, you picked them. Can I get an amen right here? My friends have no integrity. Well, you're hanging out with them. Because show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. So there's, sometimes there's spiritual battles, but sometimes I just call them, they're stupid battles. There's just battles that we have to have. God, please. And God's like, I didn't do that, but I'll fix it. Because I love you. No condemnation, no shame. But I want you to know there's spears, but then there's darts. And Ephesians chapter 6 says, for we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, it says, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand I want to talk about the armor of God for just a moment. This could be an entire collection of talks. We did this during our Holy Spirit series two years ago. But here's what the armor of God is. The armor of God is the belt of truth. That every single day, therefore, put on the full armor of God. 
Belt of truth. Belt of truth means, God, I want to stand in your word. I'm going to gird your truth around my waist, Father. I, I place on the blessed plate of righteousness. May I, I used to pray, God, may people see that I am righteous before you. May you see that I am blameless before you. I pray on the, the best plate of righteousness, have integrity in my life. I pray for the shoes of peace today. May I put on shoes of peace. May I walk in a peace that surpasses all understanding. I rebuke the spirit of fear in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for peace in my life. I pray for the shield of faith may extend around my life, around my family. I pray for the helmet of salvation. I love it's the helmet of salvation because when we get saved, Jesus has to change our mind. And repentance is a change of direction or a change of mind. So today, every single day, I got to put on the helmet of salvation. I got to do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you can test and prove God's perfect will. And then the sword of the Spirit. I mean, we're going to go through a collection of talks after Samson called Essentials. And we're going to talk about the essential needs or the must-have of being a Christian. Because there's so many of us, we forget to put on our armor. We forget to carry the, our, our word, which is the sword of the Spirit. But today, really quick, I want to talk about the shield of faith. Because there's a major correlation between the spirit that was thrown and the darts that we cannot see. There's a major correlation between the spirit that was thrown at David, but then the darts that we cannot see. Ephesians says, put on the full armor of God, the belt, the, the shield, all these different things. But then it, it continues on. To, Am I making you nervous back there? It continues on to say, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts. I want you to see this. Who, who's picking up the shield? You are. You're picking up the shield, which is faith, and you can extinguish all the darts of the evil one. Of the evil one. It's good. This is, I'm teaching you today. I'm back. I'm, I'm back to teach. But here's what this commentary meant. It says, when the enemy, the rule of this world... Since it's flaming darts of temptation, flaming darts of doubt, of wrath, lust, despair, vengeance, problems, and trials in our lives, we could hold up our shields and we could quench them. Faith gives us the strength to stand against Satan with firm courage, even when he uses his most fearsome weapons. We can pick up a shield of faith. And we can say, I'm extinguishing the attacks of the enemy. No temptation has seized me, except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He always provides a way out. I want you to know, the devil has no power, but he likes to use pressure. He has no power, but he likes to use pressure. If you ever watch um, any boxing movie, if you ever watch boxing in itself, even if you watch MMA or any type of fighting or anything like that, uh, you begin to see maybe there's an underdog or maybe there's someone who's really good that, that's supposed to win, that's supposed to fight. Uh, you're supposed to be victorious in the boxing match. And, and a lot of times the underdog will use what's called pressure pressure fighting, pressure fighting. What they'll try to do is try to knock off the big guy. Like, like I can't physically beat him, but I can psychologically beat him. And so pressure fighter is a non-stop 
force of aggression. It is not stop. Now, it takes a lot of talent to be a pressure fighter. You have to have the endurance, but also you got to have a strong chin, right? When, when the aggression comes and you get hit, you begin to mock them. You begin to shame them. You begin to taunt them. And this is what it says. It is more psychological rather than physical. It is not just about landing punches. It's about making your opponent uncomfortable. It's about making your opponent uncomfortable. The devil wants to make you as uncomfortable as he can. That's step one. Uncomfortable. Then discomfort is what leads to rapid fatigue. You get a little tired. You get a little tired. Maybe you get tired of the spears being thrown at you. But maybe you get tired of the darts that are being thrown at you. Maybe you get tired of the temptation. Maybe you get tired of, man, I'm just carrying on. Maybe you get tired of just, there's a thing called decision fatigue even. I'm tired of making decisions. I'm tired of not doing things right. I'm tired of getting attacked left and right. You know, it was easier when I blank. And this is what it says. You get tired. You get rapid fatigue. You make strategic mistakes. Have you had a day where everything goes wrong? And you're like, what is wrong with me? I'm so much better than this. You might be getting attacked. You might be getting some pressure over your life. All of a sudden, you begin to find a mental shutdown. Can I tell you, there, I, I, I enjoy a good show or two. I enjoy a good movie. A movie, I can sit down and watch it and decompress, right? Uh, depends on the movie, right? The Freedom movie, oh my goodness, great movie. But there are some things that I really believe that devil's like, let's invent Netflix so they can mentally shut down. And if they mentally shut down, they won't make a difference. If they're like Saul during the war time, but everyone needs to go out to war, maybe they'll just stay home. So there's a mental fatigue that takes place, mistakes that begin to happen, and then there's a mental shut, uh, shutdown. And what this pressure does is it takes away superior opponents' time to breathe, time to think, and time to fight back. And I've seen this time and time again in the local church. It's where the attacks just keep coming. And man, we feel tired and fatigued. I, we, we've experienced spiritual warfare. And can I tell you, I, I, I enjoy the gym. I enjoy working out. I have lots of energy. But when the spiritual attacks come, man, I just want to take a nap. Man, I just want to lay. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. And I'm realizing there's a little bit more to spiritual warfare than we really think. And it says this, it says, take it away. The spirit opponent's time to breathe, to think, and to fight back. Pressuring an opponent means forcing him to react. Now, I didn't Google react and find pressure fighter. Because it meant what they want you to do is just react instead of respond. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. But my word says, Isaiah chapter 40 that my God, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired because of spiritual warfare. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings of eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. I have a word for somebody today. You will run and you will not grow weary. You will run and you will not get fatigued. They will walk. And they will not faint. 
Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us run with endurance. Let us run with perseverance. The race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, I like that the Bible didn't say, salt through the spear, David dodged, and he stared at the spear. I like that David didn't react, but he responded. And as the moments of response, he ran to community. And I love that God sent Jonathan to David. And I love that God would never leave us nor forsake us. I love that David had confirmation. And David ran home to his wife. His wife said, hey, he's going to come get you. He's going to come kill you. I need you to escape. I love that David didn't react, but he responded. And he went to a mentor. He went to his pastor. He went to Samuel. He said, Samuel, this is what's going on. I need help. Man, what is David doing? His entire life is a race. His entire life, he's running with endurance. His entire life, he's running with perseverance. If you watch the story of David, it feels like he never gets a break. He never gets a break. Someone's out to get him. The devil hates him, but we know it's not by accident that Jesus came from David's lineage because David had a powerful anointing over his life. But we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and he perfects our faith. I've come back after three weeks. I just want to tell you, keep running. Keep running. Don't you dare give up. You have endurance. You have perseverance. I believe the enemy's been telling you to quit, to give up. I've been praying for our church, and I'm seeing God. He's opening up the floodgates. And kind of like, God is so graceful. He's like, just a little bit, just a little bit. And in the moment, he's going to release it. And God's going to do something incredible in our church. But I'm here to tell you, do not quit. Do not give up. I've been praying for you, Lindsay and I. Pastor Lindsay and I, we've been praying for you. But I love this word, endurance, because it also means perseverance. You can go ahead. Endurance means perseverance. And it said the term perseverance, it occurs 13 times. In God's word. And this word refers to either confidence in, and this is really the point I want to hit tonight, today. Confidence in or waiting on the power of a faithfulness of God. Waiting on the power or the faithfulness of God who delivers his people. It is closely linked, the word perseverance is closely linked with the idea of hope. Of hope. David, he waited on the Lord. He didn't react. He responded. But then what did David do? He waited on the Lord. I wanted to sit here for a little bit and worship teams will come up in just a moment. But there's just such a context on this word wait. Spears and darts. Pastor, what do I do? Man, when I'm being attacked by spirit, dodge. Number one, get out of the way. I need you to respond instead of react. What do I do when there's principalities and darkness and I'm getting attacked left and right? I can see it in my health. I can see it in my mind. I can see it in my circumstances. I can see it in my situations. What do I do? I want you to wait on the Lord. The Bible says, we learned this about four weeks ago, that the Lord sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. And we learned four weeks ago, God didn't send an evil spirit, but God's hand, because Saul didn't choose God, God releases protection over Saul, therefore an evil spirit went into Saul. Began to torment Saul. 
That, that, that evil dart caused Saul to throw a spear. So what's my response? I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react. But our real response is we're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to wait on the Lord. Now, in our Americanized kind of English understanding, is to wait is, what's, 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 what's wait mean? To wait on the, whoa, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. <laughs> In your goodness. Oh, sorry. Lizzie just said stop. Wait on the Lord. Some serious reverb right there. But in our Americanized understanding, I am the lead pastor, I promise you. <laughs> she is. But a lot of times in our context of wait, I feel like for some of us, wait just means I'm going to just sit at home. I'm going to... What are you doing? Pastor said to wait. Oh, you want to go to church with me? No. I'm waiting. You want to you come serve with us? No. I'm waiting. Hey, I see you're not going to church. And man, I see things are going tough for you. You want to come to my small group? No. I'm waiting. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to sit on your hands and to do nothing. Because the enemy, see, listen to me. If the enemy can see how powerful you are, why can't you see how powerful you are? Greater is he who lives in me than he who's in the world. And here's what David's response is. The same young man who walked up to King Saul and said, I'll, I'll, I'll kill that giant. The same young man who says, I don't need your armor, I got my own armor. The same young man who said, I killed a lion, I killed a bear. I, like like God's, God's in this. The same man who would play the harp and just dodge when a spear comes his way. The same young man who said, okay, Jonathan, yeah. David did run until he had confirmation. Because my goodness, he wasn't in a stupid battle. He was in a spiritual battle. And God says, you got to stay there until I tell you when it's, when it's time to go. That's for somebody today. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about boundaries. But man, when David takes off in Psalms chapter 59, if you have your Bible, in the very top of Psalms 59, here's Psalms 59. We're going to read it in just a moment. But on the very top of most of most everyone's Bible, Psalms 59, it says, and it says this. There's a little, there's a little definition of what it means here. And I can go. This is a whole sermon in itself. I'm not going to touch on this. But this is what this little, this little non-scripture, non-inspired thing. It's historical. And this is what it says. Go ahead, next slide. It says, for the choir director. A psalm of David. And it says, regarding the time Saul sent soldiers to watch David's house in order to kill him. Here's the song David wrote. In the house. His, his house with his wife, Michael. Where she begins to help him escape. This is what David writes. You are my strength. And I wait for you. And I wait for you. He didn't sit there and say, I'm a lamb to the slaughter. 
He didn't sit there and say, I hope they just come in. Put me out of my misery right now. David said, I'll wait for you to rescue me. For you, oh God, you're my fortress. He personalizes it. He didn't say, you are a fortress. He says, you're my fortress. You're my fortress. And he begins to write out the entire chapter, which is totally dedicated to that time he's in the house. Before his wife said, you got to get out of here. And you got to run to Sam. You got to run to the house of God. Can I just say something that's been on my heart? I don't want to really, this, this next slide is for those that, man, you've been waiting. You've been expecting. You've been saying, God, I need a miracle. God, I got a dream. Father, I need, I need, I need a particular outcome to take place. Lord, I pray you're fleecing God right now. What's fleecing God? It means, God, I need a sign. And man, if you can give me the sign, then I'll know. I believe this next slide is for you. We don't wait for outcomes. We wait on God. We don't wait on outcomes. We wait on God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can I tell you, he'll, he will never disappoint you. But if you're waiting on a particular outcome, you will be disappointed. Because his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. And can I tell you, I, I, I'm tired of waiting on particular outcomes. I'm waiting on the Lord because his outcomes are mightier, are better, more creative. We serve an awesome God. But so many times we're sitting down going, I'm just waiting. But I, I, I don't know what my gifts are. Stop waiting. Get into Connect one day. If you go to Connect, I don't know what my gifts are. Serve your way to your gift. But make a difference. All that audience, I'm telling you, stop waiting. Stop waiting. But I need you to wait on the Lord. I'm going to touch on that for just a moment. There's a Spears and darts challenge for this week. And in just a moment, we're going to wait on the Lord together. I'm going to show you what that looks like. But the Spears and Darts challenge is, I want you to wait. I want you to pray. But then I want you to respond. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. But church, this is the word for us today. So many of us, were too busy reacting. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to wait. We need to pray. You know what prayer does? Prayer helps me to process. Some of you need to stop praying to your friends. What does that mean? Don't pray for my friend. Yeah, but you know what prayer is? Communication between you and God. You might have to kind of pause and just process with Jesus for a little bit. And allow the Holy Spirit to be your strong fortress. But I want you to wait. I want you to pray. But I want you to respond. And here's what God does. David runs to Samuel. And Samuel, he's going to come get me. He's going to kill me. I'm just going to hang out here. Samuel says, follow me. We're going to go down to this town. And here's what happens. Saul finally gets upset. And finally Saul himself went to Ramah, arrived at the great well. He says, where is Samuel and where's David? I'm here to kill him. I have the authority to do so. They're at Naoth in Ramah, someone told them. But on the way to Naoth in Ramah, the Spirit of God came even came even upon Saul and he too began to prophesy all the way to the city. He began to 
prophesy. Now I want you to see this, that Saul tore his clothes and he lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. People are watching, he said, what? What? Is even Saul a prophet? But here's what I want you to catch. It did say he was just prophesying, but here's what it catch. The Hebrew word for prophesy in 1 Samuel 19, it comes in context referring to an abnormal trance-like state. You know what God was doing? God came upon Saul and said, I'm going to make sure you're trance-like state. I'm going to make sure you don't even move. I'm going to make sure you're confused. I'm going to make sure you're going to lay on the ground all day and all night. Because God's powerful presence can have different effects in different circumstances. God is the one who fights for us. God is the one who fights for us. So stop fighting on your own. Stop fighting on your own. I have seen, as your pastor, I'm seeing the attacks. And I'm seeing how powerful you are as an individual. I'm seeing how powerful our church is. Because upon this rock, he will build his iglesias. He will build his church. In Jesus' name. But here's our challenge. Worship team's going to help us in just a moment. I'm going, I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. I'm going to do exactly what David did. In Psalms 59, I want you to see this. Psalms 59, verses 1 through 5, David starts with prayer. Because Psalms 59 is all about that God is our top, he's our, uh, Psalm, the theme of Psalms 59 is top security in God. God, you're my strong fortress. Lord, I trust you. I love Psalms. If you're going through a hard time, read Psalms. Because you're going to be like, yeah, David, yeah. Let's kill them. Get them. Destroy them. But my God is awesome. But my God is great. There's a few like David's like, never mind. Forgive me for saying that, Jesus. But the first five chapters, David starts with prayer. Are the first five verses of Psalms 59, he starts with prayer. And then he continues with faith. He starts with prayer. And he, he continues with faith. Our challenge is to wait, to pray, but then there's a response. A response has to take place. You have to get out of the house. You have to get out of your circumstances. You have to get out of your mindset. But I want you to wait on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means to pray, but it means to proceed or respond with faith. So what's my challenge today? We react with prayer. When something happens our way, I pray. But then we respond with faith. You want know to wait on the Lord means? Go ahead, you can clap. To wait on the Lord means? To wait on the Lord means? Means I'm going to pray. Go ahead to the next slide. I'm going to worship. To wait on the Lord, I'm going to respond by reading His Word. I'm going to respond by waiting upon the Lord. So do me a favor. Will you stand with me, please? And I want to, just for a moment, I want to wait on the Lord with you. I want us to do this together as a church. I want you to simply just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you to wait on the Lord. Because in our context, we think waiting is sitting around doing nothing. But in the biblical context, to wait on the Lord means to give Him all the praise and all the glory. It means to fix our eyes on Jesus. It means to look to Him with clear expectation. To look to Him. To say, God, is it time yet? God, are you going to move yet? And we're going to wait 
on the Lord. We're going to wait on the Lord. And we're going to do it today with prayer. So will you just raise two hands if you're going through a season right now? And I want you to wait on the Lord. I want you to lift your voice today. Come on. Close your eyes for just a moment. 
Man, maybe you've been feeling fatigued, tired. I'm talking beyond, this is beyond health. You might be saying, I'm completely healthy. Okay, kind of, kind of healthy. I've been so tired. You've been reaching for social media more. You've been reaching for shows more. You've been reaching for distractions lately. But deep down on the inside of you, you just know. You know God has a mighty plan for your life, an incredible plan for your life. I believe this is a wake-up call for us today. To say, I'm not, God hasn't called us to maintain. God hasn't called us to just exist. But waiting on the Lord. He's taking a step of faith every single day. But you're still expecting to hear His voice. You're expecting to see him rescue you. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's going to encourage your spirit today. You can leave here full of faith today. You're not going to be driven by emotions. You're going to be driven by the Spirit. And I pray for God to begin to open up our minds and our hearts today. If that's you today, I'm going to pray a blessing over you today. If that's you today and you're saying, I'm so sick and tired, of spears and darts. I want to wait on the Lord today. That's you. Just raise your hands up. I just want to bless you for just a moment. Just raise your hands up. It's okay. And if you're, and if you don't have the strength to do that today, I just don't, this just popped into my mind. You might have to tell a friend, tap them on the shoulder, and maybe they could just hold your hand with you to say, I don't know if I even believe, but there's something about the Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in this room in a greater measure. Holy Spirit, I ask you to renew our strength. Holy Spirit, I ask you today to mount us, like your word says, to mount us on the wings of eagles. But Father, I thank you today that Father, you've changed our definition on what it means to wait on the Lord. But Father, I thank you today we're going to walk out of this building with greater expectation, with greater faith, and with greater hope. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Maybe our circumstances won't change today, but I pray you do something in our spirit, in our heart today. In our heart today. The moment you make it up in your mind, say, I'm going to wait on the Lord, and I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to live for Jesus all the days of my life, even if I never get that miracle, even if I never get that outcome. I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. I pray for such, a, such an anointing to come over your life, an anointing that surpasses all understanding. And I pray you walk, the, the moment you walked into this room as a victim, you're going to walk out of this room victorious as a warrior. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.
I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Everyone lift your voice. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for paying for my sins. Say, I repent of my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be my strong tower. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Because I now know who I am. I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody. Give God a shout today.